You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 119 and verse number 89. The Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Verse 92, unless thy law had been my delights, I should uh, then have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. And verse 96, I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, your people and their faithfulness on a, uh, a day like today where we have changed the schedule, really just completely different. Uh, but Lord, it's been such a sweet time. I've enjoyed getting to be together uh, with uh, your church, with your family here and Lord, I thank you for many people who are back today who've been sick, and I thank you for raising them up. I pray for some who are still sick, that you touch them and strengthen them. I pray for those that are in the hospital. Uh, right now, I think of uh, Miss Linda Gray on her birthday. I pray you touch her. I pray for Brother Ronnie Powell as he's in Raleigh. I pray that you'd give healing, give strength, and uh, give comfort to Miss Cindy and help her. I pray, Lord, that you would be with Miss Virginia, who is in the hospital also. I pray you touch her and strengthen her as she's uh, transferred tomorrow to Greenville. And, Lord, I pray for our shut-ins. Uh, many of our uh, shut-ins who listen on the radio, those who uh, some call in on the phone line, some who uh, watch the service uh, on the live stream, uh, Lord, who would love to be here. I pray that you would help them to sense your presence, and I pray that they would know how much we love and appreciate them. And uh, we have not forgotten them. Lord, I thank you for these tools that we have to be able to broadcast the service. But Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have to gather uh, under this roof, to gather in this auditorium, and to be with your people and to have the Holy Spirit of God move among us and to open your precious word. And I pray tonight that we would not miss what you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Verse number 89, the word is forever. That's a long time. As a matter of fact, we can't comprehend forever. Uh, when we think of forever, uh, we sometimes think of the song that we sing sometimes. Uh, 10,000 years, we'll just be started. 10,000 years and we'll just be gone. Well, can I tell you, 10,000 years does not even scratch the surface. It doesn't even begin to describe forever. Now, I'm thankful that heaven is forever. I'm glad that salvation is forever. It is everlasting, never ends. We can't comprehend that. But I'm thankful that we know there is no end. There is no expiration. There's not going to come a day where God says, I'm sorry, your time in heaven is up. Uh, your years, uh, your, your centuries are over, and so I'm sorry, you're on your own now. I'm glad that we are safe and secure and saved 
forever. But not only that, this verse says there's something else that will last forever. And what will last forever is the Word of God. Now, some people will say, well, it says that God's Word is forever settled in heaven. We don't have it down here. Now, when we get to heaven, we'll have the Word of God because it's settled in heaven. Well, I got news for you. In heaven, you're not going to need this because Jesus, the living Word, is there. Now, I'm not saying that this book will not be in heaven because it absolutely will. But can I tell you where we need it? We need it down here. We don't need it so much in the sweet by and by, but we need it in the nasty now and now. We need to know how to live. We need to know how to, how, how to walk and how to talk and how to think and how to respond and, and how to be as God's people. Well, to say that the Bible is only settled in heaven and we don't have it down here, that's a joke. Because God said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It says in Psalm 12, 6 and 7 that the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation and forever. I'm glad that God's word is settled down here. I'm glad we have the Bible. I'm glad that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine. We have the Bible. It is forever. And notice this, it is settled. The word settled, it means to stand firm. I think that's where we got our song. The Bible stands like a rock undaunted mid the raging storms of time. Its pages burn with the truth eternal and they glow with a light sublime. The Bible stands Though the hills may tumble, it will firmly stand. Uh, 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 it'll firmly stand forever and ever and ever. I will plant my feet on its firm foundation for the Bible stands. It's forever settled in heaven. I'll say quickly by way of introduction, I'll just say number one, the word settled. Get it settled in your heart that this book right here is the word of God. Get it settled, because if you don't get it settled, you're going to change as people change. I, I'm thankful. People have told me before, they've said, you know, maybe you ought to consider, you know, uh, 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 running for a, an office. I'm thinking like a, a janitor's office or, I mean, uh, I mean, do they have offices over at the, uh, the sanitary district? What are you talking about? Can I tell you, I could never in a million years run for office. And here's why. Because if you run for an office, then you're going to have to change as people change. Because the people that vote you in, they may change down the road four years or eight years or 12 years. And so if you want to get voted back in, you got to change with the crowd. Well, I got news for you. Christians ought not change with the crowd because God's word is settled. Figure it out. Figure out what you believe and then don't change. How about this? I think you ought to figure out what you believe about the Bible. Can I tell you, if the Bible is the Word of God now, and by the way, I believe it is, it'll be the Word of God in 10 years. 
and 20 years and 100 years and 1,000 years, it's forever. But you got to figure that out. If you don't, then you will, you will change as people change. You'll change as your family changes. You'll change as your friends change. You'll change as a pastor changes. You'll change as your kids change. You'll change as your parents change. Can I tell you, just figure it out and say, it's settled in my heart, in my mind, this book is the word of God. I shared in our workers meeting Wednesday night, but for our church, you can come to church. We don't check at the door to see which version of the Bible you bring in. You can bring in any version. Now, I would ask and I would encourage you to bring a King James Bible because that's the only thing I'll preach from. But we told our workers, we said, if you're going to be a worker at Victory Baptist Church, if you're going to stand up and teach a class, you're going to preach a junior church, you're going to teach a, a memory verse on a bus route or whatever, there's only one version of the Bible that we use. And can I tell you, once you start getting into other versions, there's always going to be a new one. There's always going to be an updated one. There's always going to be something else coming off the shelf. But I got news for you. The Bible does not change. And for the English-speaking people, I believe that the King James Bible is not just a good translation. I believe it's the Word of God. I believe it is inspired, and I believe it is preserved. Now, you're going to have to figure that out. If you don't think we have a Bible, then you can cross out what you want to cross out. You can correct what you want to correct. You can add to what you want to add to. I just don't believe this Bible needs to be corrected. I believe it's already correct. I believe it's the word of God, but get it settled. Get settled in your heart what you believe about prayer. Do you believe, and, and, and I understand that it's just, it's cliche. God answers prayer. We need to pray. God answers prayer. Well, I believe he answers prayer. But you better figure it out because if you don't get it settled, there's going to come a day when you're going to give up on prayer because God didn't answer your prayer the way you wanted him to or because God didn't answer it in the time or the manner or the fashion that you expected him to. I want to tell you, I believe God answers prayer and I'm going to pray even when I don't see an answer because I believe in prayer. You better figure that out. Uh, you better figure out what you believe about the church. Now, I understand we got a lot of folks watching, a lot of folks listening. I understand we got COVID and we got weather and we got all those things. I understand all that. But I know what I believe. And my wife and I, we've talked about it. And for our family, I believe that the church is God's plan for Christian people to assemble and to be a part of the church. And I don't mean once a month. Now, if we got folks that come once a month, I say, praise God, that's better than not coming. But can I tell you, you better figure out what you believe about the church. I don't believe that church is number six on the list of priorities. And if one, two, three, four, five are not on the schedule, then we go to church. I believe that the church is God's plan. That's our theme for the year because I believe in the church. I believe the church is going to build your life and build your family and it's going to build your faith. But you've got to figure that out. If you don't, here's what's going to happen. Somebody's going to say something to you. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. You know what you're going to do? You're going to get yourself out of church and you're going to get yourself in a mess because it wasn't settled. For you, church was a fad. For you, church was just what your friends were doing. It was just what was popular. It was just the thing to do. 
I got news for you. We are to be faithful in season, out of season, when everybody likes it, when nobody likes it, when people are cheering and when people are booing, we ought to get it settled what we believe about church. I believe we ought to get it settled about giving. I believe that the tithe is the Lord's. I believe that the tithe belongs to God. It's not even yours to decide what you're going to do with. That's what I believe. I believe the Bible teaches that. But you're going to have to figure that out. Otherwise, you'll be all for tithing when there's money in the bank. But when things get tight, you're going to start doing the budget and saying, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't going to work. I want to tell you, you got to get it settled. Get it settled what you believe about being pure and being holy and being godly. And by the way, holiness is not out of date. Oh, man, I knew it was Sunday night, and it's been a a crazy time, and I knew I was going to have to remind you about saying amen every once in a while. But God still believes in holiness for his people. Well, I know the pastor needs to be holy. Oh, those assistant pastors and those Sunday school teachers. No, if you're a child of God, God expects us to be holy, set apart, and different from this world. That's what we are supposed to be. We're a child of the king. The child of the king is going to live like the child of the king. I believe we ought to be pure. I think we ought to teach that to our young people. I think we ought to teach it to our children. I think we need to remind ourselves as adults that God still wants his people to be pure and holy. I think you need to get it settled. I could go down the list. I'll just give you a couple more. I don't have time for all of this tonight. But I believe you ought to get it settled. What the Bible says about alcohol. And for you and for your family, I think you need to say, Here's what the Bible says. I'll tell you what I believe the Bible says. The Bible says wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. I think Christians ought to stay away from that junk. I think Christians ought not touch it. I don't think Christians should get started in that. But you better figure it out because I've known people and you've known people that once said, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And now... It's all they ever do. Can I tell you, it'll destroy your life. It'll destroy your home. It'll destroy your marriage. Say, well, I know somebody and it hadn't destroyed them yet. Just hang on. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. You better figure out what you believe. I'll, I'll give you one more here quickly. I've got this on my list. And that is, I think you ought to get it settled for you and for your family, what you believe about your words. You know, I'm amazed at, at, at how it used to be. I remember growing up, mom, I remember a few times we'd be in a restaurant. I remember dad, he'd say something. If there was somebody in a booth or somewhere around us that was cussing or swearing, he'd say something to them. Can I tell you, you can't do that now because you wouldn't get to eat. You'd be having to go around to every single table because people uh, uh, have profanity and cursing and vulgar language, and that doesn't surprise me with the world. Now, it shouldn't be. It's still not right. But I'll tell you, as God's people, you better be careful what you allow into your ears and into your, your mind and into your home and what you allow, because if you're not careful, eventually you're going to uh, let out what you've been bringing in. Figure out what you believe, get it settled. Luke 21, Jesus told his disciples, he said, settle it therefore in your hearts. He said, the day's coming when persecution's coming, the day's coming when it's gonna be tough and you've gotta get it figured out right now. Forever, O Lord, thy word 
is settled in heaven. Figure out what you believe. Read the Bible, study the Bible, uh, uh, and develop your list of what you believe based upon what this book says and not what anybody else says. Get it figured out, get it settled. I'm talking to senior saints. I've seen senior, senior saints that have thrown it out the window. I'm talking about adults. I'm talking about young adults and our teens and our children. Get it settled, figure out what you believe, and then don't change. Get it settled. I'm glad that God's word is settled in heaven. It should be settled in your heart and in your life as well. Number one, the word is settled. Verse number 89, look at verse number 90. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth and it abideth. Number two, I see the word is in verse number, the, the, the truth is found in verse 90. It's the word steadfast. That is that God's faithfulness is not just to our generation. God's faithfulness was not just to our parents' generation, although I'm thankful that I have parents who experience the faithfulness of God. I'm glad my wife had parents that experienced the faithfulness of God. I want to tell you, God didn't quit being faithful last year. He's still faithful. He is steadfast. And you can count on his faithfulness unto all generations. I'm glad God's going to be faithful to my children. God's going to be faithful to your children and your grandchildren. And for every generation, God is faithful. He is steadfast. We used to sing that song, uh, Give Me That Old Time Religion. And we'd say it was good for my father and it was good for my mother and it's good enough for me. Well, I want to tell you the faithfulness of God. It was good for my mama and my daddy and it was good for my pastor, but it's good for me as well. We have a God who is faithful. He is steadfast. But then it says in verse number 90 that he has established the earth and it abideth. Notice it goes into verse number 91. They, that is the earth, the things of this earth, they continue this day according to thine ordinances. You see, God created this earth, and this earth still stands. And by the way, uh, don't let the environmentalists scare you, and don't let the tree huggers scare you into thinking that if we don't do something, if we don't recycle more, or if we don't stop breathing, or if we don't stop adjusting our life, that we are going to destroy this earth. Friend, I got news for you. You and I are not that important. This earth is not going to be destroyed until God gives the word. And by the way, when he gives the word, the Bible says this whole earth is going to be destroyed by a fire. The earth was destroyed by a flood in Genesis 6, but when Jesus comes back and judgment comes, this earth is going to be destroyed. It's going to be burned up with a fire. But that's not up to us. That's up to God because he's the one that established the earth and it stands. Think about some things that God created and think about the fact that they are still going. God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. And guess what? Every day, you can count on them. Aren't you glad it's not up to you to remember? I, I do not have to set reminders or alarms on my phone to say, okay, push a button, make sure the sun's coming up today. God's got it all under control. The, the moon, uh, the tides, the seasons, 
the oceans, the rivers, the mountains, the valleys. God established it, and it still stands. And I tell you, I'm thankful we have a God of order. I think we ought to have some order in our life. I think we ought to have some consistency in our life. I think we ought to have a schedule. I think we ought to figure out and say, hey, I'm gonna, every day I'm gonna read my Bible. Every day I'm gonna pray. Every day I'm gonna help somebody. Every day I'm gonna look for opportunities to be an encouragement. Every, every time the doors are open, I'm going to church. Every time I'm gonna serve. Every time I'm gonna be in my spot. I think there ought to be some order. I'm thankful we have a God who is steadfast. He is faithful. God has been so faithful to me and God has been faithful to you, if you're honest. Verse number 91, they continue this day according to thine ordinances. But then notice the end of that verse, for all are thy servants. Number three, the word is servants. You see, we are God's servants. That makes him the master. He's in charge. Now, we all, we've all been there, and please don't leave me up here hanging like I'm the only one. We sometimes, we like to think that we're in charge. We like to think that we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And sometimes God brings our plans to a screeching halt to remind us that we're not in charge. Um, uh, 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 I got the verse here. It's coming to me. Hang on just a minute. Um, A man's... Uh, I'll, I'll switch to a different verse that I can quote. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It's set by God. God's the one who's in charge. He's the master, we're the servant. Now think about this. If God is the master, then the job of the servant is to fulfill the task given by the master. Our job is to please him. The model prayer Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And he said, you ought to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be what? Be done. God's will ought to be done. God's will ought to be accomplished. That's what servants do. God created us for a purpose. And that purpose, Revelation says, is for his honor and for his glory. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to hear words like, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I certainly hope we don't hear words like, not well done. You're saved, you're you're my child, but you didn't run your race well. You didn't finish well, you didn't finish your course, you didn't fight a good faith. And I understand the judgment seat of Christ is a place of reward, it's not a place of punishment. But can I tell you, uh, the judgment seat of Christ is not t-ball it's not it's not coach pitch you know softball it's not where everybody gets a trophy the judgment seat of christ the crowns will be given based upon how we served god here again i'm not talking about salvation salvation's all of grace none of none of works but the judgment seat of christ when we receive the crowns our works the bible says they're going to be put through a fire And it's going to be tried of what sort or what quality our works were. Our motivation is going to be brought into judgment. So you see, it's not just, oh, I went to church. I sat on the pew. Oh, see, Lord, I'm here. Now, I didn't didn't hear much, and I certainly didn't listen, and I certainly didn't get anything out of it, and it certainly didn't affect my life Monday through Saturday, but I'm here. God knows why we do what we do. Now, I don't know if that's scary to anybody else, but that's scary to me because sometimes our motivation is wrong. 
Sometimes we do things and we're hoping. Now, we would never say it. We'd never rent a billboard and say, I accomplished this. But sometimes that's why we do things. And we just want to be seen and noticed. We like this too much, don't we? Can I tell you, if you're getting this down here, you're probably not getting that up there. Because if you get this down here, then God says, then you've got your reward. There it is. But it's the things we do that are in secret, the things that nobody knows about. Those are the things that God says, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to repay you for that. We are his servants. Notice verse number 92. The Bible says, unless thy law had been my delights. That word delights, it means enjoyment. You know, the word of God ought to be something that you enjoy. Now, I understand you don't maybe enjoy it if your Bible reading time is 5 a.m. before you go to work and you're thinking, I want to sleep. I'm tired. I, I, I'm not ready for it. I haven't even had my coffee, you know. I haven't had my, uh, I haven't had my Krispy Kreme donut yet or whatever it is or my, 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 nutrition, my nutrition bar, I meant. Let's say that. Um, I understand that it's not always something that you enjoy, but the Bible ought to be something that once you get into it, there ought to be some enjoyment. Boy, there ought to be some delight. There ought to be some joy. You say, well, well, why would a person enjoy reading the Bible? Because it's a love letter from God to you and me. He loved us so much that he sent his son, and, and this book is God's word to you and to me. Boy, I hope we don't treat it like a textbook. I hope we don't treat it like teachers used to do when I was in school. Your punishment was you got to go read the dictionary or read the encyclopedia. I hope we don't treat it like that. This book, it's alive. It's living. It's powerful, and it ought to bring delight. David said, unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. That word affliction, it means trouble. It actually has the idea of depression. You say, you think David was depressed? I know he was. David was in a mess several times in his life. He didn't know what to do. And he said this, if I didn't have this book right here, I wouldn't have made it. Friend, I want to tell you, you better get in this book because there's going to be some depression. There's going to be some affliction. There's going to be some trouble. And unless the word of God becomes your delight, you're going to perish. You're not going to make it. You're not going to get through it. The word is sanity. <laughs> David said, this book is what brought me sanity. This is the book that got me through the affliction and the trouble and the depression in my life. I want to remind you this evening that God's word will give you joy. God's word will give you purpose and direction. And God's word will give you meaning for life. David said, I've got to have the word of God. He said, if I wouldn't have had it, I would have perished. I'd be gone. I want to ask you this evening to think about where you would be today if it weren't for the promises of God. Think about some valleys you've gone through. Think about some difficulties you've faced in life, some trials that you've experienced. I don't know about you. I wouldn't have made it without the Word of God. Can I tell you, that's why you got to get in it every day. That's why you got to meditate on it. We'll get to that in the next, uh, next week. But can I tell you, 
This book right here will make the difference in your life if you will get in the book and let the book get in you. It'll make a difference. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.